Welcome to OK-ish, a podcast all about mental health in the modern world. I'm Mary Ellen Dance, a licensed mental health therapist, here to strip away misunderstandings about therapy and share exactly what I do in an honest way. Don't worry, you won't hear inspirational quotes or be told to spend more time doing self-care. I'm here to get to the real stuff using my own experiences as a therapist and as a really messy human being. Come and laugh at yourself with me as you learn not how to become great, but how to become okay-ish. Hello, happy okay-ish Wednesday. I know it's only been a week since the last episode, but it feels like it's been forever. I've really missed all of you. I think part of the reason that it feels like it's been so long is because Thanksgiving happened last week in between the last episode and today. So I hope everyone had a great Thanksgiving. I've missed you. And I want to point out that Thanksgiving looked different this year because of the COVID-19 pandemic. And unfortunately, the upcoming holidays, Christmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, whatever you celebrate, will look different this year. But even without COVID-19, every year the holidays are a stressful time. They're stressful for so, so, so many reasons. I'm sure you're even thinking of a list of reasons right now as I say this. But one of the biggest reasons is family. That dreaded F word of family. Seriously, every year around November and December, my therapy practice is booming because of all the stress the holiday brings and some of the family stuff that comes up and things like that. So knowing this, for the next few weeks, I am going to be talking about the holidays, family, how to manage, kind of doing like a little series all about managing all that crap that comes along with the holidays. And you may be thinking, I love my family. I don't need to listen to this. Well, just like no human is perfect, no family is perfect. And we can love our families while recognizing some of the unhealthy dynamics and some of where our stress is coming from. So over the next few weeks, you'll learn about family roles, triggers, communication techniques. I love talking about communication stress management with families and holidays and all that good stuff that helps us to become okay-ish and, you know, have a nice holiday. Also, I want to remind you to not forget to check out MaryEllenDance.com. I write a lot of blog posts on this. I have a bunch of blog posts on kind of do's and don'ts around the holidays to give you some extra tips. So go check that out. So to begin this little mini-series, I want to give a little background by sharing five dysfunctional family roles. Now, originally, these family roles that I'm about to tell you were developed in the 1980s to describe children of alcoholics. But later, these roles have been adopted to describe lots of different families. It's important to note, though, that Every family doesn't necessarily have all of these roles, right? Like it's not cookie cutter like that. But we can often take on some of these roles depending the situation, the season of life we're in, all of that stuff. So it's important to have this background knowledge. 
All right. So drum roll, please. These dysfunctional family roles include the first one is the enabler. This one is also known as the caretaker. So the definition of an enabler is a person who makes something possible. Often this term is used in allowing or enabling unhealthy behaviors in others. Enabling is super tricky because it can look really different among different people. And there is always such a fine line between being supportive of a family member who's struggling with something and enabling. But someone who is an enabler or a caretaker will often act like a martyr. They'll often take on other people's responsibilities to keep the family system moving along right? They often put their needs on the back burner to take care of family members, stuff like that. So that is one family role that people often take on. The second family role that I'm going to go over today is the hero. The hero is a fun role. The hero makes it look to everyone else like the family is perfect, covers everything up, uh, someone who is a hero is often a perfectionist or an overachiever to, you know, portray to other people, look, everything is totally fine. The hero is also someone that often feels like they have to be strong and put on a brave face to pretend like everything is great and, you know, overcompensate for their family members. So that's the second role. The third role is the scapegoat. The scapegoat is my favorite role because I can probably relate a little bit. The scapegoat is like the troublemaker or the black sheep of the family. The scapegoat often just comes right out and says the problem, right? Just says the elephant in the room. The scapegoat is not interested in covering anything up and is often really blunt and honest. See, I told you I could relate. The scapegoat can also sometimes be rebellious and kind of mean. Remember, these roles are just kind of guidelines that were originally developed for children of alcoholics, but we can usually relate to these roles in some form or another. All right, the fourth role is the lost child. The lost child is often the quiet one sitting in the corner reading a book. Right. I believe that the lost child is also known as the invisible child, too. And it's pretty self-explanatory of what that means. And then lastly, the fifth role is the mascot. The mascot is usually the cute one or the funny one that kind of breaks up the stress by using humor or acting silly or cute. The mascot is usually interested in just making everybody happy and laugh and love each other. So again, not all families have these roles. The reason I'm sharing this is to give you an idea of some dysfunctional family roles, some roles that we can take on at certain points in life to give background and insight. And, you know, when preparing for this podcast, I obviously reflected on myself and my own family. And it's important to note that often, if we are not in a super dysfunctional family, like neither parent is an alcoholic or anything, 
these roles can be really fluid, right? So for example, I have definitely played into the mascot role and I've definitely had a little bit of the scapegoat role at different points in my life or in different family situations. But that doesn't mean I am always those things. Also, don't go home at the holidays and tell your sister that she's the scapegoat. (laughs) Telling you this is not meant for you to diagnose yourself and others. It's just to give an idea about some of the research that's been done on families and give some language about what I might be talking about. All right. So the reason that these roles are dysfunctional, the reason that we use the term dysfunctional, I'm really glad you asked, because the thing is, if children are taking on these roles, it's usually a survival technique. Like how these roles were originally developed based off of parents struggling with alcoholism, children take on these roles to keep themselves sane, to try to help, to keep their family safe. Most unhealthy roles or coping skills are usually developed for a reason. But here's why they're dysfunctional. Does anyone want to act like this? (laughs) Right? Like, does anyone want a child in a family to have to overcompensate for the unhealthy family by playing into these roles? Of course not. Of course not. As much as children will often take on these roles as kind of a survival technique, Having family members in these roles often keeps that dysfunctional pattern going. It often keeps everyone behaving in really unhealthy patterns. All right. So now that I've given a little psychology lesson and that we understand these roles and that they're often present, but not all the time, and you're assigning roles to yourself and your family members in your head, even though I told you not to, (laughs) um, I'm going to throw out three more terms for you. You know, just to confuse you. Now, the difference with what I'm about to share happens in communication. So it happens in communication with families, with friends, with colleagues, with the person at Wegmans, right? It happens with communication. So I am going to introduce three terms of unhealthy ways in which people communicate. I promise this all relates. I'll bring it together at the end. So before I bring it all together, ladies and gentlemen, get ready to be introduced to the drama triangle. Ask any of my clients. This is literally one of my favorite things to talk about. I talk about it all the time. The drama triangle was developed by uh, somebody named Stephen Cartman in order to describe interactions among people. All right. So it's a triangle, which means there's three points. So Cartman identified three types of communication roles that one can play when having an interaction. So the first communication role at one point of the triangle is the victim. The victim is someone who interacts with others as a victim like says things or think things like, poor me, oh, woe is me, just help me. The victim often coincides with a lost child role. Not all the time, but sometimes those can coincide. The second communication role on on the second point of the triangle is the rescuer. The rescuer is very similar to the enabler family role. 
the rescuer rushes to help the victim, enables the victim to be the victim, avoids their own issues just so they can be, you know, seen as the savior, help other people. Again, the rescuer often coincides with the enabler or the hero role that I just talked about. And then lastly, the last point on the triangle is the persecutor role. The persecutor role is kind of like the scapegoat, but not always. The persecutor blames others. Interactions and communication will often be nasty or yell. So when this drama triangle was developed, it was to describe unhealthy interactions, right? So it's saying, okay, in unhealthy interactions, there's a rescuer, there's a victim, and there's a persecutor. So the three types of communication, the rescuer, victim, and persecutor, often coincide with family roles, but not necessarily. Just like the family roles, however, the drama triangle communication styles can kind of change person to person, situation to situation. But typically, we have a communication style that we're like most comfortable with, that we stick with. So let me give you an example of the drama triangle in real life. My older sister and I had a fine, but very surface level relationship for a long, long time. She's seven years older than me, so we didn't have a lot in common growing up. We shared a bedroom. So she was a senior in high school sharing a bedroom with a fifth grader. It was great for me, not for her. And then we lived across the country from each other for a while. So we we just weren't very close. Don't worry. After many, many, many conversations about family roles and dynamics, her and I are very close now. But in the past, we weren't close, and this is how the drama triangle would play out. I would think and say, poor me, my older sister doesn't want a relationship with me, I wish she liked me, what's wrong with me, why aren't we closer, right? I was kind of being a victim. And so I would say all of this to my mom, and my mom would respond and say, oh, this is so sad. I'm sorry you're not close with her. You're such a great sister. I don't get it. Why doesn't she want to be close with you? You're great. Kind of being a rescuer, right? And then I would get on the phone with my sister, and she would be angry, like, "Uh, why are you blaming me? I'm a great sister. Stop being whiny. What do you expect of me? Why is mom consoling you? playing the persecutor role. So do we see how those three roles fit together? Sorry, Liz. I appreciate you and glad we got out of this unhealthy dynamic. You're wonderful. (laughs) All right. So now that I've thrown a lot of fancy psychology terms at you, and we are all the experts on family roles and communication styles, you may be wondering why I'm telling you these things. Again, it is not to diagnose your family. That's not going to help with anything. It's really just to help you be aware. To help you be aware that a lot of the time, our families bring out the worst in us. Because here's the thing. One role makes the other role happen, right? We can't have a scapegoat without also having a hero, We can't have someone communicating as the rescuer without someone communicating as the victim. If someone is being a persecutor in the scapegoat role, right, then another person is going to jump in and act like the hero or be a rescuer. Once someone starts playing a role and someone else steps in to kind of offset that role, we've lost. 
we've lost. It's a mess. Get ready for the family fight, right? We've all gone down the dark hole of family drama and passive aggressiveness while drinking wine and trying to open presents. I'm sure we can all relate to that. So the best way to win this family role communication role game is to not play. The goal is to not have a role. The goal is to be yourself. Be assertive, be respectful, but to not be a victim, rescuer, or perpetrator. Because they all play off of each other. So, you know what's interesting? If we stay on the sidelines, guess what will happen? The members of our family who are playing roles, it won't work for them anymore. So they'll stop playing their role without even realizing it, right? So if a victim is not getting rescued, they're going to kind of give up being a victim because it's not helping them. They're not getting anything out of it. It's really amazing to watch what happens if we step out of our roles and the natural healthy domino effect that it can have. So again, none of this is to diagnose your family or yourself. It's more to be aware that, you know, I'm not a rescuer at any other time, but when I'm with this side of the family, that rescuer comes out in me and that just creates this whole unhealthy dynamic. So how can I stay out of this? So there's one last thing that I want to know. Our families bring out a different side in us. So it was a joke in my family for a really long time that every time I would go to my parents' house, within the first 10 minutes of being there, I'd fall asleep. Seriously. The reason this would happen? Well, probably because I was comfortable at my parents' house and I knew I didn't have to worry about anything so I could relax. But we often kind of like revert back to our childhood selves when we're around our families. Like when I'm sick, if I'm around other people, I'm fine. But if my mom calls me, I just want to be like, mommy, come take care of me, right? Our families bring out that side in us, whether we like it or not. So it's important to be aware that it's okay that this happens. It's natural. But if we can stay out of those roles, those communication styles that just perpetuate like unhealthy dynamics, that's going to be a game changer. If we focus more on just being our authentic selves and just trying to enjoy our family and not play into these little family roles, then you know what? We'll feel a lot more okay-ish. Disclaimer, this podcast is produced for your universal listening pleasure. Any statements shared during our program are opinions and experiences of our team and guests. If you disagree with any content presented herein, Please find another show before submitting nasty grams. This is a positive vibes only platform. If you love our show and want to connect, share your experiences, or know someone who we should interview on future episodes, please don't hesitate to get in touch through our website or Instagram. Thanks for listening to this program brought to you by Daydreamer Network. If you enjoyed the episode, please don't forget to rate and review on Apple Podcasts or your preferred platform. Your feedback allows us to rank on the best new shows list and continue to grow our podcasts in order to bring more unique and talented storytellers to the network. To check out our shows, including programs about relationships, sports, business, nutrition, leisure, and more, head to www.daydreamernetwork.com. We look forward to seeing you back next week for another great episode. Have a wonderful day.